0: Everybody. It is Wednesday, January 27th. The year is 21. The show is underdogs. My name is Jacob Eamon here with me. As always, is David Patrick Fleming. The off season is is kicking off hard right now. We are coming to you the day after more Big Blue Jays news. If you haven't heard, learn now. We have signed Marcus Semion. Uh, to a one-year, $18 million deal. He's joining the Blue Jays uh, in, as a surprising wrinkle, I would say, uh, locking down second base as his primary position. Now, if you aren't familiar with Oakland Athletics Baseball, Marcus Semien is an above-average defensive shortstop, a gold-glove finalist, and offensively he is either a league average player who had an outlier all-star and mvp level season in 2019 where he tore the cover off the ball or he is a late blooming offense first shortstop whose hard work and dedication to his craft all came together in 2019 the pandemic hit and he struggled a bit in his first 14 games of a shortened season in 2020 with a short spring training, but he gets back to his two, 2019 level hitting for the remainder of 2020 and had an OPS over 1,000 in the 2020 playoffs. Which version of Marcus Simeon will we get? Hard to say, but I think we can count on the fact that we have and we will have an above average to elite possible gold glove defense at second base, and a very high ceiling, at least, at the plate. David, where are you at on the signing of Marcus Semien?
1: Well, I think that was a really great sell job that you just did. I mean, you really, uh, you really broke that down well. I think yesterday, you know, I had a series of events leading up to the news of hearing about Marcus Semien joining the Blue Jays, and in the moment, I was very excited. Kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't like there had been rumors for a day about it. I mean, he had been speculated, you know, off and on. Didn't feel like anything was too serious. Then Tim and Sid, uh, I was watching Tim and Sid, and they say that, Carlos Bayerga, ex-major league player. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he might be. I'm not really sure. Ex-major leaguer Carlos Bayerga writes on his Instagram that Marcus Semien has signed with the Blue Jays. And everybody's kind of like, that's weird. You know, he's a legit big leaguer. You don't think that he would just say something crazy out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. It's also weird that he's the one that has this information. And so, you know, my ears perk up and I'm starting to get excited because... I mean, just to say some of the other options for kind of helping out the middle infield, we're going to be Andrelton Simmons, you know, we heard about Colton Wong. And so, yeah, exactly. And so hearing about Simeon, I was I was really excited. And, uh, you know, like everybody, that one thing that you kind of know about Simeon or the one thing you kind of hold on to if you're like a kind of casual baseball fan this is his great 2019 And so then when I, you know, you go into baseball reference and you want to get a little bit more in-depth look at his stats, which I had done earlier in the offseason, but it just felt more important now because he was maybe going to be a Blue Jay. And and you do see that, like, I mean, you called him an average major leaguer on, you know, typically he's a little bit below average major leaguer offensively, typically. Uh, Some of his numbers really remind me of kind of like a Randall Grishik, you know, like home run power, very low on base percentage, uh, you know, like low 200s average but that 2019 is so enticing, and he's kind of of that age where you know certain guys figure it yep. out and they make that turn offensively. He'd ar- he'd already shown his ability to improve defensively because he wasn't that great of a defensive shortstop when he was with the A's. He made shitloads of errors, yeah. And uh, then he turned that around, and became like Gold Glove finalist, like you say. So it's like one of those classic things of being so excited about the upside, but even uh, if we get him in his more typical years, still way better than Andrew Pinstel, yeah, yeah, still way better than Colton Wong, still way better than Santiago Espinal, you know, uh, so a one-year commitment, 18 million bucks, pfft, I don't care. I think it's a great move. I think, it, I think it can help out, you know, if Bo goes down, he can play shortstop, he could play third possibly, he's going to play second, you know, there's a lot of versatility there. You got a lot of guys who can move around the infield, which is a problem, but also upside. Yeah huge upside you're you're
0: laying out some great points there too and i just want to kind of point out what a sort of tremendous job so quickly it feels like ross and mark have done with the off season here i mean we've signed the best outfielder right we got the best outfielder in free agency i would say now we've gotten the second best infielder on the market take off dj LeMayhu, he was kind of the number one guy there i'm not going to count francisco lindor but in free agency, to me, Semyon was the clear number two guy. So we've got first there, second in the infield. And then I feel like we got the second best reliever on the market, too. So, like, that's yeah. three top two guys.
1: Yeah. It's so, it's so funny because, you know, we, we start to panic when like moves aren't happening. We start to think like the worst, the doomsday, we're not going to, nothing's going to happen. And then so quickly it's like, Oh guy, it's almost like you guys had a plan all along and it's almost like you guys saw it through. And now we're going to have this really exciting team. And I think, you know, it takes an off season like this for the narrative about a front office to change and for your, you know, uh, classic Toronto sports fan mentality to be shifted. Yeah. yeah, And
0: while we're on the the topic of the mentality, David, I know yesterday we were talking. You you'd been we've been talking about game diaries a lot and how much we miss them, and we thought it it could be a really fun thing to do is do not a game diary but a day diary, and it just so happened that you did a diary yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, that included. Discovering the news of signing Marcus Simeon, can can you regale us with that uh, diary account?
1: Wow, Jacob, this is feeling like just old school days, old school underdogs back in the everyday grind, doing game diaries and just throwing your feelings up against the wall. And, you know, this has a little bit to do with baseball and the people at home might be like, (laughs) why do I care what David's day is like? And you don't have to, people. This can just be some noise that helps you get through the day. All right, here we go. This is the first diary of 2021. Wake up in the morning. Why do I have a headache? I haven't drank in 26 days. God, God. it is... 4.30 a.m. and I'm just lying here in bed. I'm staring into the dark, wishing I could go back to sleep, but these sleeping pills haven't worked in weeks, and the fear of mice crawling on me in the night doesn't allow for relaxation. I have to piss so bad, but the thought of having to take apart my anti-mice prevention barrier under my door seems daunting. No problem, there's a new episode of The Bachelor I can stream. Nothing makes me wake up like the anger I have for myself when I watch this show and the shame I feel for being a loyal fan for probably a decade. Just pick, breathe. There is no other choice. Just look into the camera and say, I can't do this anymore. I'm taking Brie, peace Peace out. out. Well, it's over and I feel irritated, but it's now 6.30 and the mice have probably gone to bed. And so it's David time. Coffee, chess, sports radio. It's snowing outside, I'll have to shovel. Hey, that's something to do, that's not so bad. I might as well actually eat today because in theory I could burn a calorie or two. Whoa, these pork patties I made last night are real pink in the center. I don't even care. I got all day to be on the toilet, baby. It's shovel time. Oh yeah, this is some good snow. It's easy to plow, it's quick, it's satisfying. You know what? I'm even gonna shovel the shared alley. What a good tenant I am. What a good neighbor I am. Oh, whoa. There is a man and a German shepherd in the alleyway. I stop. The man shows me a police badge and calmly asks, did you find a gun when you were shoveling? I'm I'm sorry, a gun? Yeah, gun. He points up to the window that is two feet away from my bedroom window and says, we got a warrant for these guys and we think they just threw a gun out the window. Oh, uh, okay, cool, I'll let you know if I see a gun. In my mind, I'm thinking if the timing had been slightly different and I was in the alleyway and I got hit in the head with the gun that they threw out the window and how almost fitting that that seems. Now we stand there awkwardly looking at each other. I have so many questions, but I'm so afraid because his German Shepherd is fixed on me like he wants to tear me apart and the only thing preventing him is his loyalty to the cause. (laughs) I'll let you know if I find a gun. I walk away and I've never had such a casual conversation about a gun. Now, if you're looking for a gun someone would throw out of a window, my guess would be that that gun is piece of evidence in a crime. Let's say a murder. Oh, I live next to murderers. Oh, is it the teenagers I yelled at six weeks ago for throwing ranch sauce and chicken bones on my deck? Are they gonna shoot me? Is this how I go down? Should I move or hide? I need a little more than an anti-mice barrier to prevent. What? Blue Jays sign Marcus Semien out of nowhere. Tim and Sid call it. Oh, where will he play? If he plays third, Vladdy's going to start shoving cake into his mouth and ruin everything he's done. Huh second base. Are they trading Cavan or is Cavan playing third? Uh Uh-oh, Vladdy, you are on cake watch again. I'm excited, but it's complicated. I go over Simeon's numbers. He was amazing only once. I choose to be overly excited. It's way better than Andrelton Simmons or Colton Wong, and it's nice to be distracted from the click, click, bang, bang of my imminent demise. Well, it's 7 p.m., or as we say in 2021, bedtime let's give these sleeping pills another crack and start this whole cycle again tomorrow dreaming of what a potent lineup we could have this season (laughs) no no that's not true i'm dreaming of mice with guns wow wow
0: (laughs) i i honestly i completely forgot that yesterday was the day that you were texting me about the cops asking you if, if, if you found the gun in the
1: alley oh my god uh, and it was like he was asking me if I saw his keys. He he was just kind of there, like a little schleppy, just like, have ah, you seen a gun back here? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, I have a I have a gun bucket in the backyard. Any gun I find, I throw it in the gun bucket. Why don't you go and check? Uh, wow.
0: Um, did you did you end up asking any follow-up questions? Did you ask, like, what kind of gun you're looking for? Is it a revolver? Is it a semi-automatic? Yeah. <laughs>
1: what kind of gun are you looking for because i found a (laughs) semi-automatic rifle but uh, if you're looking for a handgun i haven't seen that no i didn't ask man you ever had a german shepherd look at you like in a way where it was just like if that man wasn't there you would just be thrown into pieces yeah it's and and plus like it it felt so uncomfortable like i I was just so in shock right yes because my mind's spinning like oh my God, like, is this part of a murder? Uh, is this like a murder investigation? Do I need to be worried about my life, my safety? Uh, maybe my nephews can never come visit me again. Maybe I'll never go out of my deck ever, ever again. Maybe the next time they throw shit on my deck, I can't say anything to them because they have guns. Yeah. So I didn't ask any follow up And the
0: worst part about it is you'll never get any sort of, uh, follow-up information. They're not going to call you and be like, hey, remember when we uh, uh, <laughs> r- ruined a, a year on your heart uh, health? Um, <laughs> yeah, by the way, we did catch those guys. We've apprehended them. The gun is... Uh, it was found. Um, none of that's ever going to happen. You just are left with okay. a, a void of, of information to live with for the rest of your life, likely.
1: Yeah, I'm sure I'll never know. and like, in- I, I don't know how worried to be about this, but Marcus, send me him, baby. Yes, Marcus.
0: Um, <laughs> wow, I, I'm just really caught up in this in this whole story. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna try and uh, leave that be for a little bit because I do want to talk more about Semyon. But thank you for doing that diary. I'm, I'm uh, just feeling the energy of it again. It it really got me going. I had a lot of fun <laughs> listening to it. Um. But Marcus Simeon, David, I want to tell you a story because basically um, once the news happened, you know, as I do, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm looking at Twitter, I'm looking at stories. I, I went into The Athletic and I put in Simeon's name. Before I even go any further, I just want to say, I keep saying Simeon and I know you do as well, but then I heard, I keep hearing other people saying Simeon and I'm confused. No,
1: it's Simeon. It's Simeon for sure okay okay i mean uh, i think Simeon is just the more natural way to but it's s-e oh i know it's gotta Uh, be semi you would
0: think (laughs) so but if it's some weird thing that anyway
1: no it's Simeon. it's semi okay we're gonna go it's official it's okay okay
0: so i i i was looking into him and i read this amazing story on the athletic um written by ken rosenthal it was written in 2019 um and it was about marcus's journey basically from going from basically kind of a a vladimir guerrero at shortstop to becoming a a gold glove finalist and and like just a super confident like from a fan perspective you aren't ever worried about the ball coming his way or any throws he's doing um but the greatest thing about the story is the background of of how i associate Oakland Athletics and because of Billy Bean and when I read a story and it's about Billy Bean, I just see it all clearly. He's Brad Pitt. He's there, and like as soon as he starts talking, I hear Brad Pitt's voice. And basically, so Oakland traded for Simeon in 2014. He's up in 2015. He's starting at shortstop, and he's just having a disastrous year. And he's making errors left and right. I think he had like 15 errors already in the season. He ended up finishing that year with 35 errors. I'm sure, you know, the sports nets of Oakland and all of the national writers, everyone in Oakland saying this guy can't stick it at short. We got to move him off. He can't handle it. And Billy Bean, you know, you can just imagine that scene in Moneyball. He's there. He's watching the screen. You know, he's not watching the game. He's, like, throwing something at them. He just knows that Simeon can be really good. He knows he's, like, he's got some sort of, like, uh, math algorithm. He knows that he has the tools. He has the athleticism, all of that, to be a good shortstop. And he believes in him so much that he wants to hire – ron washington who uh at the time was out of baseball he was a former manager um of the texas rangers who took the rangers uh in 2010 20 or one of 2010 or 2011 to the world series um he eventually resigned from being a manager because he had um, an affair with on his wife and so he stepped down and so uh Billy Bean he's also like a, a former like major league shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, amazing
1: fielder, he's also a former coach for the Oakland A's. Right. He was in Moneyball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um
0: so Billy's like we got to get Wash back here and he convinces Wash on the phone. He's like listen, this guy needs you and you need him. And it's and and they and he brings him back and they start working with each other every day. And Simeon, I just like globs onto all of the knowledge that he's getting from him. They build this routine. And the crazy thing is is that it doesn't work really off the bat. And it's like 2 years they're working together and it still hasn't shown like amazing results. He's he's still struggling, but they know that something is working and it's in 2018 where they start seeing the results and he goes from like being this really really wretched defender to again like as we've talked about a bunch of times being this gold glove finalist being like the the rock at shortstop and it's just so amazing i was just so struck even just reading the comments of oakland a's fans um and their like journeys of being a fan of him and like how nervous they used he used to make them and to like just talking, describing him as a, as a cyborg with his work ethic and like a leader and just like that he goes out there every single game and does f- uh, this regimented warm-up of like, I take five balls uh, to the left of me, five balls to the right of me. All of the throws are perfect. And I just think that's such an awesome dude to be bringing in to the Toronto uh, team, to this lineup to to be a, a role model and a leader for guys like Vlad, guys like Bo who are, you know, coming into their own. And 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 Vlad, I think, obviously is the big guy who's like, you see this parallel, this guy who no one says can stick at third. And we're gonna bring in this guy who's gone on this journey before. It's not the same position, but that can maybe, I don't know, be an inspiration to to Vlad that he can do the same thing and have the same journey and i i just thought it was an if you if you can go read the story it's an amazing uh write-up from ken rosenthal um and uh i'm just so so much more appreciative and so much more excited about who the guy marcus simeon
1: is on top of like what the potential in his bat can be well it's really i mean i find that super interesting there's so many things that i'm thinking about hearing you say that and, and one major thing is, you know, you see this incredible shift in his offense in 2019. And you're saying that, you know, he starts to put the defensive pieces together in 2018, where that work starts to... Uh, pay off, and you can imagine what that was like for him when he was making all those errors and he- hearing the press on him, and 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 even feeling. I mean, it, it's even like there's a lot of pressure when somebody believes in you too. Yeah. It's like you feel like you have to do them good, you have to do right by them. And you know, on a lot of other teams, I'm sure Marcus Simeon doesn't play shortstop again. Maybe after that first year, maybe yeah. he doesn't even start yet. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But then when you see when his defense starts to come together, his offense take off, and you wonder what kind of pressure was relieved from his mind where he could just let it rip at the plate and he wasn't so focused on because i think we look at numbers and we we just look at people like algorithms sometimes but you can't i don't think we can fully appreciate what it feels like to be inside the body of that guy at shortstop who's maybe a little bit anxious maybe he's like fuck oh it doesn't get hit to me i hope i don't fuck this up oh man there's a big moment here I got." and that stress it builds man you can't really relax as a player and then secondly what you're saying about vladdy you know we we put so much on vladdy you know that his defensive woes were because of his weight and you know probably they were to some degree but you know marcus semium doesn't struggle with weight issues and he came up and he had a, a bad a bad start at his position and and you just wonder How quickly we create these narratives about Vladdy and we tell him why he does what he does and why he's struggling and what he could do to be better. We don't really know. And at at his age, his defense just wasn't as far along as his bat. Yeah. You know, I mean, take George Springer, who we just gave $150 million to. He didn't play in the big leagues till he was 24. Yeah. Vladdy's been in the big leagues when he was 19 and it's because of his bat. Maybe his defense won't be there till he's 24. Yeah. But the fact that you see a guy like that achieve through those struggles and become a gold glove finalist. Now, I don't know if we'll ever be saying that about Vladdy, but I certainly haven't given up the hope that he can't be a, a league average third baseman for the Toronto blue Jays.
0: Absolutely. And it's so interesting. Like the article is long and it goes in depth and talks about what Marcus's perspective was too. And like how fast things happen when you're a young, like superstar athlete, when you're in high school and like you're you're not necessarily learning the fundamentals if you don't need to because he is an extraordinary athlete his athleticism carried him to the big leagues and his bat so he talks about how he was playing shortstop despite the fact that he really didn't have fundamentals he didn't have technique and that's what Wash came and saw like he watched one game and said this guy actually doesn't know how to play the sh- the, the the position fundamentally and technically and it's just like they they stripped him down completely and retaught him everything and then he gets he also talks about learning from being around chapman watching him play third and like how he learned um to like get way deeper when when the pitch is happening into a crouch and how much better he is with his hands because of how low to the ground he is and he's learning from the guys around him all the time it's fascinating, and you know we talk about Vlad, but I think we also have to acknowledge that even as recently as two weeks ago, we're talking about Bo Bichette not sticking at shortstop because we're bringing in someone better than him, and and constantly is Bo going to move over to second? Like it's another guy that that uh, Simeon can be the role model for, and and
1: perhaps just, uh, give a lot of wisdom to. I know we want to talk about uh, the fact that he signed a one-year deal and, and what that means, but I also wonder what kind of a conversation that was about playing second base mm-hmm. and if that is the actual conversation, like you're we're gonna we're gonna sign, we're gonna put this in writing that you're the second baseman, or if it internally the conversation is slightly different. Uh, because you know, you put all that work in to become this elite shortstop and then you come to a team and it's like, you know, we're gonna move you to second base. I wonder what that conversations like if that's a compromise because you're not getting the deal you want you can't uh, be a part of a team that you think can win whatever whatever but I also just wonder what the actual internal conversation there is and if it's not so black and white as we see Uh, yeah
0: I think it's fascinating and I think you know the news I, I don't know how many hours afterwards not too long after um the news of Simmons signing with the Twins one year at 11.5 to be their shortstop. It seems like that's obviously a pivot for them. And you have to imagine that the Twins probably had an offer
1: for him to play shortstop there. And perhaps he'd choose. I think I think. I think they said they did. I think I read that last night that the Twins said that they went to Simmons when they had to move off of. Uh- right. Off of center. And that's
0: the same yeah. same thing for Oakland as well. I know that they were kind of panicking, thinking about not having him to play shortstop for, for them either. But it, again, just speaks to the core that we have, that how excited players are in the major leagues to, to join the Blue Jays right now. Um, but I think it is fascinating to think about what is the strategy from Marcus and his agent knowing that there is possibly the greatest crop of shortstops in the history of the game all becoming free agents at the same time uh, next season and that he's going to become a free agent at that point as well and is the idea that this is a career pivot and he wants to get ahead of it and he doesn't want to be turned into a shortstop or or turned into a second baseman or a third baseman next offseason as a result of, of four, like elite shortstops being out there and okay he wasn't the second option he wasn't the third option he wasn't the fourth option he was the fifth option perhaps to sign as a shortstop so there aren't that many teams and so the money's going to be even less because you're seen as a downgrade from all those guys whereas this year it's like i can build up my value as potentially like one of the more elite second baseman uh available uh, you know like what if he wins a gold glove at, at 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 second base this season as a blue jay you know i just think it's it's an interesting pivot for him to th- to be thinking about right now
1: well, I mean, if it is, in fact, that, if it is, in fact, that pivot, I think at the end of the day, his bat's going to do the talking. And, and if he it goes back to elite 2019 numbers and he plays second base the whole year for the Toronto Blue Jays, there's still going to be teams out there that can view him as a shortstop with an elite bat, and they're still going to be absolutely interested in that. I, I'm just not certain that I'm 100% sold on the fact that he is – written in stone is to be their second baseman because the one thing that the Blue Jays would not want to do the Blue Jays have to be very careful with all of these moves and what they say yep um, I, I think there was some awkwardness in getting George Springer about what that meant for the rest of the outfielders what that meant for Grishik, Guriel, Hernandez whatever and I also think that they can't come out and say we got Marcus Semien and he's going to be our shortstop because then every news outlet in the fucking country is going to be knocking on bobochet's door to have a try to talk to him and like how do you feel about this and what do you want to say about this and you know you don't want that kind of stress being put on him you don't want that him to think that the organization has doubt in him but I do think that Bo starts the year shortstop but I do I do think it is a very um, tricky thing for them to try to navigate and how they talk about
0: yeah getting him well and not only I mean not only this like curious thing of whether he could take over at shortstop from Bo but you know, if he is actually in air quotes, a third, third base option, um, if Vladdy can't cut it there, if they, if they do decide that we're going to move off him and not give Vladdy the same kind of rope and belief that, um, Oakland had in Marcus, um, you know, also how does Biggio feel today? You know, Biggio has stated multiple times, even though he's always said, I'll do what I, uh, whatever the team needs me to do. I'll be the utility guy, but Second base is where I feel most comfortable. It's where I like to play, and uh, they've they've said in a
1: uh, they've said that he, Marcus is going to play second base. So, I mean, no, it's just really interesting because Biggio is an interesting player because he can play a lot of different positions uh, very mediocrely. Hmm. You know, he doesn't play any one position really great, but he can. You know, he'll go to the outfield. He'll go to second base. He'll go to third base. He'll play some first base. Vladdy's different in the fact that he doesn't really play any position <laughs> all that well either, but he's stuck to the corners. Like you're not gonna get him to shift around uh, anywhere into the outfield. I get Vladdy at second base for Christ's sakes, and so I mean, it does make me very curious if there's something in the works for Biggio to be traded. And I do hope that he isn't, but I I do. You know, it gets your spidey senses up a little bit. That that at least is a possibility. And for sure, you could get a controllable young arm for Bijio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The other thing... I want to talk a little bit, too, about repercussions of Vlad. And I guess it's it's so hard to know. I just... Again, the door is still open for Vlad to be the third baseman, as well as Biggio be the third baseman. Biggio played a lot of third base at the end of last season, so I think you can easily say, yeah, Kevin, like third base is yours. Between you and Vlad, um, wh- whoever wins the job and merit is going to play third base, or or you're going to split third base, and you're going to play left field, and we're going to be cycling things around out a- la the Dodgers, and no position is, is locked in for anybody. That can be a possibility, but I still can't get this out of my head of this whole summer. As far as we know, there hasn't been any indication given to Vlad that he isn't going to be the third baseman. His Instagram bio says Toronto Blue Jays, third baseman. (laughs) Every video he's putting out on his YouTube, on his Instagram, he's taking balls at third. He's throwing the ball to first from third. And I, I can't stop thinking about If he doesn't end up playing there for even a quarter of the games let's say let alone half the games or the majority of the games how detrimental that is going to be to his play at first base this year and then you know like not spending a whole summer getting reps at first base committing being like i'm going to be an awesome first baseman i can still be in shape it's going to help me mash the ball and and then so then he ends up being worse At first base than he even is at third base which isn't good to begin with and then because of that we're say we're in a pennant race we're trying to win the al east here maybe we're trying to win the american league outright place first and we can't we can't settle with vlad playing bad first base he's involved in almost every play so he has to play dh consistently and there we are with a year Basically, two years dedicated to Vlad not getting better defensively and two years towards him getting used to being an everyday DH at
1: the age of 21. And and I can't help but feel really conflicted about that yeah me too because from the eye test last year of vladdy playing first base it wasn't necessarily that he was making a ton of physical errors it was that he was making mental errors from having not played that position before like constantly going for balls um to his right because he's used to just you know see ball get ball from third base and diving after the ball and so now if he's only been working on playing third base And maybe that's not true. You know, maybe he also takes reps at first or it doesn't seem that way, but it takes away from again, like his familiarity with that position. And if at the end of the day, he can't hack it at third base, then we're just going to get this inexperienced first baseman in a potential, hopefully playoff push. And then the other side of that is, okay, so he doesn't play first base. And so now you've got this kid who's a DH at such a young age who just put in this massive commitment to himself and to his teammates and to the organization to drop this weight and to get into shape. And now you could say that, yeah, he owes that to himself and the team anyway to get in the best shape as possible. But Man, when you're young and, and you're going through life and life's hard and you want someone to believe in you and you want like a give and take relationship, I put in this work, you got to give me something. And then if at the end of the day, he's a ripped D.H. It just feels like it sucks.
0: Yeah. yeah, A ripped D.H. in his early 20s. <laughs> yeah. It's really, uh, it's just, it's so weird. We talked about it last episode, just... How our view of this team has changed, and what we can live with now—it's not development
1: anymore. This team's going for it. I'll tell you right now, and I—you know—I'm sure I'll flip during the season at some point. But right now, I can live with a slightly below-average third base from Vlad. Right. I—I don't mean like it can't be league's worst, like he was in 2019, but you know, it can—it doesn't have to be league average at this point. For me, I I can go through the growing pains of him showing a huge amount of improvement, but you know still having some room to grow because I'll take his arm over Cavins at third any day of the week.
0: If if Vladdy is at third base, does Biggio start playing more first base? If if say Rowdy isn't tearing the cover off the ball and he's just kind of you know being an average, I don't know. We, we don't know where Rowdy's at. We haven't even we're not thinking about Rowdy Tellez at all right now this offseason, but.
1: Well, you're thinking about him when you're making your lineup and you're like, Jesus, we got no lefties. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, you know, and so it is tough in that regard. And, you know, I've also heard that he's probably being shopped around a little bit just to see what's there in terms of how people view his value. But, you know, you get rid of him and there goes another left-handed bat from your lineup. I think then it's basically just Biggio, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I think that. I think that Rowdy's more valuable to us than he would be to anyone else in a trade market. You know what I mean? With his potential, what he's done, like the power that he has, the the the, the strides that he was making from consistency and and hitting contact. I just think
1: you don't you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're forced to make Vladdy your DH.
0: I agree. I agree i want to i want to pull off this negativity for a second though and and try and get back into a, a positive mindset for a bit and you know uh we made some vows with the addition of george springer um, in our reverse uh, eulogy segment and i want to do the same for marcus because he's again he's a massive ad here um it's only a one-year deal so maybe the vows aren't as uh, committed but i'll go first david i've got some vows i i just jotted them down really quickly here um but marcus if you're listening um just just sit down for a second here or, or you stand just hold my hands as i say these vows to you in this church of of holy baseball um marcus andrew simeon or simeon maybe uh, i'm still not sure even though david's really certain um I'm here today to make a vow of commitment to you. Though this is an arranged marriage, I couldn't have asked for a better person to be given to me. I've spent all night and morning reading about you, and I am so struck by the words of the people of Oakland, how grateful they were to have you there, how in awe of your defensive transformation they were, of your work ethic, your leadership, and outstanding character. Reading about you makes me want to work harder, to be better, to have a routine in life. Granted, this is only a year commitment and routines are hard to come by right now. I'd like to take a second to talk about your appearance. Don't get nervous. I think you're well above average when it comes to attractiveness. Your commitment to the goatee is, I'd say, a little misguided. It It looks better when you don't have a hat or a helmet on I'm not sure why, but your hair pulls it all together. And, and your hair is outstanding. But let's just consider a new style for your facial hair. I'd recommend for your facial structure to just reimagine what you've already got. Let the chin grow out a little longer, and then let the rest of the beard grow in lightly and fade up to a skin shave near the temples so, so we can still highlight your nice cheekbones. See Jackie Bradley Jr's beard for reference. I've Googled to see if I could find an image of you without your shirt on, but had no luck. It's okay. We can go slow. I don't know where you belong in this lineup, and I think you're overqualified to play second base, but I'm so happy you chose us, and I know you're going to have a huge impact on our kids and this city. Welcome to Toronto. I love you, Marcus. For one year, I, Jacob Eamon, am
1: yours. Marcus, we're going to be together for a year, at the least, and maybe at the most. I'm not going to take this time and tear your physical appearance apart like Jacob does by also giving you some compliments, but also I'm sure you left that feeling like trash about yourself. I won't tell you that I also hate the goatee because that's not important to say. I'm not even going to say that I need you to have your 2019 offensive numbers. You know what I want from you, Marcus? I want you to watch over our kids. I want you to teach Vladdy how to overcome defensive woes. If you see Vladdy in the clubhouse before a game, after a few errors, and he is just shoving a plastic fork into a cold apple pie and just throwing it into his mouth, I want you to Make two fists and speed bag him in the guts until he puts it down, and let him know that he can be better. If you start to take away Bo position at shortstop, maybe you could, maybe you could brush his hair as a favor to him, and you guys could bond in that way. I just want these kids to be happy. And you're only going to be here for a year. So don't make it worse. You can be the father figure to them that they need, that their very famous fathers have perhaps neglected. And I'm not saying anything about the Hitting Whisperer and his parenting skills, but we know. (laughs) We, we know. So Marcus, I take you for this year to be our lawfully wedded Second base shortstop hybrid. Thank you.
0: That was really touching, David. Uh, I I appreciate it. I I really didn't think I was ripping on him at all. I
1: I didn't think he would be offended by what I said about his appearance. Don't you hate, though, when, like, it's already, like, a a complicated moment when you're on Google and you try to type in an athlete and shirt off. (laughs) And then, like, when you don't get it, it's like, come on. Don't make me type that and not even get it. (laughs) Christ.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. There wasn't even anything. I remember close. early. I
1: don't know if we. I don't know if we talked about this earlier in the episode. when We did that Lindor episode, but I know that we we both trying to Google Lindor with his shirt. On. Yeah, and it came up, and he was just in that tank top, and we were like, "Damn, man, it was surprising." Lindor is jacked.
0: jacked. That gun show is a high price ticket, man.
1: Yeah, worth every penny.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Um. Wow. Well, uh, writing that note, I want to. I want to. I want to get right into this lineup, David. Have you? Because, I mean, we both had some really nice words to say about Marcus, and I'm curious where he's going to live in your lineup, and and what what kind of uh,
1: adjustments you've made from last time. Give it to me. I don't even. I don't have my lineup from last time next to this lineup, but I'll give you this lineup. I mean, it's basically. I mean, you'll see what it is, but. All right, ladies and gentlemen, batting first for your 2021 Toronto Blue Jays, the center fielder, George Springer, batting second the shortstop, Bo Bichette, batting third, your first baseman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In the cleanup spot, your right fielder, Teo Oscar Hernandez, batting fifth. Your left fielder, Lourdes Gurriel, Jr. And in the DH spot, the big man, the lefty, Rowdy Tellez. Playing second base and batting seventh, the newest Blue Jay, Marcus. Semi, 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 (laughs) semi-in. Batting eighth, Danny Jansen, the catcher. And batting ninth, your third baseman, Kevin Biggio. Nice. Nice. Took Grishik right out of the lineup. Yeah, I get it. It's a weird thing to do, and I'm not sold on Vladdy first and Biggio third. But uh, you know, you're juggling a bunch of hammers, so it's tough.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, I've gone, I've gone in a different direction, um, and different from what I did last time. And I'm gonna, I I don't know. After I made it, I was in awe of the lineup. I will say, (laughs) I I will say that. So. Leading off, we've got our third baseman, Kevin Biggio. Hitting second is the center fielder, George Springer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's hitting second now. <laughs> hitting third is the shortstop, Bo Bichette. Oh, baby. What a top three. Hitting fourth. Hitting cleanup. And this can change. But right now, this is, this is the man for the job. Teoscar Hernandez in right field. The cleanup monster. Hitting 5th, oh shit, it's the new guy at 2nd base, it's Marcus Simeon. Hitting 6th, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at 1st base, oh shit, this lineup is that deep, Vladdy hits 6th, okay, we'll see. Hitting 7th, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left field, 7th, yeah. Hitting 8th, Rowdy Tellez, the DH, and that's depending on, uh, on who's pitching. If we got a right handed pitcher, yeah, Rowdy's there. If it's if it's a left handed pitcher, Gritchik is hitting eighth. We got a little we got a little matchup in the eighth spot. Hitting ninth hitting ninth is Alejandro Kirk the catcher.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. Oh, shit, this is annihilating. I'm going to call you out on something right now because you just, you're just you telling me that Rowdy Telez doesn't play against lefties. And last year, you fucking squawked into that mic big time about Rowdy not playing against lefties, saying that the man deserves the mash against lefties. And what are you doing to my Rowdy? You said my Rowdy. Treat him like he was your horse, yeah. and you were livid about it, and now you are suggesting for that to happen. It's a
0: new year. Oh, what a, a new year, year. does to he's us. He's got to earn it again. Everybody in this lineup actually has to earn it. That's why... Jacob, I don't want to live in a world where bats sixth. Well, he's going to earn... He, no he way. Can easily earn... This is this is the whole thing. This lineup is so interchangeable, and I've called it the annihilate the baseball lineup. That's why Kirk <laughs> is hitting. That's why you have Rowdy
1: Tellez hitting eighth. I mean... It's, it's also fucked to have a DH bat eight. It's like, oh, is he a DH or not? You know, what, how kind of hitter is this is guy? Is this the deepest lineup in baseball or not? I, yes. <laughs> that's why that's why he's hitting well, eight, man. Yeah.
0: This is so interchangeable. Any, every hitter in this lineup can deserve and earn hitting in the top four. That's how deep this lineup is, right? I mean, if Vlad's raking, boom, he can hit third or cleanup. We can move Simeon down. We can we can move Tay Oscar down. If Tay Oscar isn't hitting, he can hit seventh or eighth. You know, if Biggio if Biggio isn't living up to expectations, he can go down to that ninth spot. But I mean, wow, this 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 lineup bangs and it mashes, man.
1: Yeah, it definitely bangs and mashes, and its potential is fucking through the goddamn <laughs> roof. Like how many, like let's just go down like 30 home run potential. One, two, three, four, five. Five, five for sure. And then you could have an argument that Gurial has 30 home run potential, but I wouldn't say Yeah, So does Biggio. Oh, I don't know about that. 30? Well, I don't know about that. He hits homers. He just doesn't hit a lot
0: of hits. He's the feast or famine man, right? Like the three true outcomes, homers and yeah. And I don't, maybe man, he's not 30 potential. Maybe he's 20, 25, but.
1: I definitely feel bad that I put Vladdy at first base. And even though I've said that I want to give him a shot at third, I feel like I just let him down and uh, I've totally gone against myself. And I want to apologize to Vladdy who is uh, a known listener to one of those. Yeah. He, he messaged me on
0: Instagram after the last show um, <laughs> um but, but what's interesting about our lineups and and I, and I was talking about it before we did the lineup is that i feel like we can easily interchange and put we can put biggio at first base and put vladdy at third base why, why can't biggio catch the ball i'm sure he's got he's got all of the i think
1: biggio's played first base yeah, exactly for us yeah
0: he didn't do much of it but uh we had a log jam no around first base when Vardy couldn't play third. I'm thinking about the rest of um, the league right now and uh, just how much better we've gotten and how much everyone else has either just gotten worse this season or just stayed the same. You know, you think about the big additions, like it's, it's us and the Mets who have gotten demonstrably way better. But Yankees, I mean, their rotation's better, I'll give them that but
1: Padres have gotten better. The Padres have sure. gotten
0: better. Yeah, true. I forgot. They did everything so early. I've forgotten about them. The Padres, White the Mets. Sox a little bit better. Yeah,
1: but like. <laughs> yeah,
0: I hear you. They, they've kind of stayed the same. They were really good already.
1: And they've gotten better. need an arm, man. I, I, we're, we're an arm away for this getting really to a whole new level. Agreed. Agreed. Where is it going to
0: come from? I don't know because, you know, Let's 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 touch before we go here on this George Springer slash um, front office update uh, press conference that happened this morning. You and I both tuned in and we're texting
1: throughout. Um, man, these Zoom introductions are so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. It's so fucking awkward. You get to witness people in their living rooms, reporters in their living rooms asking questions to George Springer. God knows where George Springer is. They just probably sent him that Blue Jays backdrop to put behind yep. him. And it's just, it take, does take away, because like, so for anybody that didn't see it, like George Springer has the Blue Jays jersey on at the beginning. He puts on his Blue Jays hat, but you don't get like him standing up with the jersey on. You don't like get to see what it's like. You don't get that handshake moment. I was, at first I was like, is he going to stand up? Because we're not going to be able to see anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was awkward. I was wondering if he was going to stand up, if maybe he was going to have someone adjust the camera. He didn't do it. Um, They obviously told him, we're going to have this moment. You just silently put on the hat and uh, we're going to hold here awkwardly to let everyone look at you. Maybe someone will take a couple screenshots. I don't know. Uh, He awkwardly commented, I like the fit. This looks good. Um, he is—you couldn't tell in the press conference—but for anyone who didn't see uh, officially from the Blue Jays Twitter or any other sources, he is going to continue to wear number four. Um, so he's uh, center field wearing number four. Uh, he wore the white jersey in the press conference, um, and the biggest thing—you know—there was a lot of bad questions and a lot of bad answers in this press conference, not just from George Springer, but the biggest thing that I took away um most of the answers involved george springer uh talking up this core and that was the biggest sell for him and wanting to come to this team he he said first he wanted to go somewhere that would be happy where he would be really happy he didn't care so much about whether or not he was in new york state or if he was close to his home in connecticut he mentioned you know you can hop on the plane it's 2 hours away um but he wanted to go to a place where he would be happy and he believes in the young core that that the blue jays have and he mentions he mentions the guys he didn't mention tay oscar but he mentions boba Bichette, vladimir guerrero jr stumbles a bit on lourdes Gurial jr whether or not that's because of his his uh stutter or because as david texted me maybe he knows uh, about a trade coming for guriel i don't know <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, that's that. That to me was the biggest takeaway from from that presser. What about you, David?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't say much. I mean, I think that that narrative's the easy thing to talk about. You've got 150 million dollars, and you make the fans excited about all the other young pieces. Boom, done. Easy. You know, he didn't seem. He seemed a little guarded to me. He seemed a little tight. And I know it's awkward on the Zoom thing, and it, it might be a little bit different live. Um, I also have to say to the Toronto media, like I, I watched the Francisco Lindor. Coming to the Mets and all of the media there were like, "Hey, Francisco, welcome to New York. Uh, happy to have you." Then they ask a question. They didn't get shit of that until maybe like the fourth or fifth guy, and it was just like, "Hey, George, why did you choose Toronto other than money?" Yeah, and it's like, can you guys say hi to the man? Can you guys um, uh, make him feel fucking welcome mm-hmm. here? I thought it was really funny at one point when Arash Madani asked George Springer like. Uh, George, what 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 is it that uh, what is it with you, man? With when 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 you're on a team like the Astros, man, and. You need to make that next step. What is it that turns your team from a playoff contender to World Series contender? And I just thought it would be so funny if George was like, ah, well, we came up with this really in-depth way of cheating. Uh, I don't know if you've read about it, but we would bang on a trash can when a certain pitch was coming, and so then we would just mash it. <laughs> I was just like, just say it, man. Just fucking say it. Yeah, no one asked um, him about the cheating. Yeah, there was one thing about like the validity of his world right. series and the MVP that was asked. And, you know, he just gave a very short answer, but, uh, you know, you know, all in all our love for George Springer, if it happens to a big extent is going to come on the field. You know, it's not going to be like, man, he's a shitty baseball player, but his post game interviews are unreal. Yeah. Um, so I, want to, I want to see him on the field. He, I feel like he's a,
0: He's like a puppy. He's got that like look in his eyes that like he looks like a sad dog, even though his tail is wagging. Like, there's just something about him that I just like, I want to protect him. I want to, like, I feel like emotional when I look at him. He's talking and like, you know, he's, his stutter has obviously gotten a lot better. And I, you know, I don't know if everyone's gone out and watched the videos on YouTube about his journey and like all of the work that he does in communities to help other young people who are dealing with, with, uh, stutters or different speech um issues that they've experienced but uh you you can see like him overcoming that in the in the moment how awkward the zoom thing is and how he has to answer these really open-ended questions possibly and speak confidently and I, i just i already i feel so
1: protective of him and I I I love him. Wow. I'm not I'm not fully there yet, but uh no judgments for you having advanced the relationship to that point at this uh juncture. I think it'll be, you know, a journey mm-hmm. for sure. It's gonna be a six year journey. I'm sure we'll feel many, many different things along the way. Yeah.
0: So as you mentioned, we're an arm. Away potentially an arm and away arm away from what I don't know. We'll see how uh, all these guys live up to their past performance. How some of these young guys might take another step forward. It's amazing to think we're we're already a top five projected offense in the American League. Um, you know, and that's that's not knowing with what these guys, these young guys are where they're going in their careers. They we're' we're in the dark but it we got the impression from that press conference that the bulk of their work is done they feel or perhaps the bulk of the spending is done to term it better they're uh, you know they they kind of talked a bit about uh, why most of the work has come in free agency rather than trading away their farm system. And uh, Ross tar- talking about how their background has been in player development so they are protective of their young guys and think that, that that is the way to keep the team relevant for years and years to come and keep them contending. And But they also have said they're not ruling out a trade. And it does sort of feel like if there is an addition that's going to be of any major impact... Um, that it is going to be through a trade, or it's going to be, you know, how once once Tanaka's off the border, or he goes back to Japan, Odorizia signed. How low does pa- Paxton's stock go? How low do some of some of these other starters that they can bring in? I don't know. Um, I'm,
1: I'm just unclear and where it it's came going. down to. If it came down to like you know getting the tier of like Odorizzi and Paxton. I would. This is the way I feel right now. I would prefer them to sign Taiwan Walker. Mm-hmm. And you, people say, "Well, Taiwan Walker can't stay on the field." Well, oh, neither can James yeah. Paxton. I agree, and he's going to cost more.
0: I agree. I think that Paxton's ceiling is is higher, but I think that the floor of of Taiwan Walker is higher or lower. I don't know what's better with the floor. <laughs> you want that floor to be higher, I think. As long as the ceiling isn't too low and you're having to <laughs> to crouch when you're walking he's, around. He's in,
1: he's in a coffin. He's, he's in a coffin. Or you
0: might have a sprung floor like, you, you know, you've dug out the basement to be lower so that the ceiling doesn't have to be adjusted with. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think everybody knows exactly what you mean. It's very... <laughs> Just to throw out there, the rest of the league is the free agents are kind of falling into place and, and Trevor Bauer, we didn't talk at all about Trevor today. Um... But he's he's the last big fish out there, right? Um, it's on him now because these these uh, lower tier pitchers, I don't think they're going to start to sign until Bauer sets a market for what the top is, right? And then we see what people pivot to who miss out on him and how much, um, you know, Oderisi goes up because someone's needed a pitcher and they didn't get Bauer. But I feel a sense of relief. I will say that it feels like we are now out on Bauer at least that's the sense that I get maybe they don't want people to know that they're in or they're out on him but you know there's the part of me that wants this team to be really good um, and there's the part of me that really enjoys a large part of Trevor Bauer's personality and the value that I get from his videos and how much I learn about pitching from his from his breakdowns of how he pitches people and you know all of the things that I've learned about tunneling, all these different things, the benefits that I that I think of Bauer, and then there are all those negatives that that are out there about the, you know, the different fiascos that he's had on social media, the different issues, the way that that women especially view him, um, not just women. There's a t- there's a ton of men out there who want nothing to do with Trevor Bauer, and so I just feel a sense of relief that I don't have to perhaps wrestle with that anymore, and that we've gotten. Uh, way better as a team without having him in
1: um i'll say I, I just wanted to say that yeah no i think that's good to say i think that it was yesterday that said that the mets had offered trevor bauer a deal and that that was maybe moving forward i know that the mets fans were all over that yesterday and i, and I agree like i just don't want to be a part of the I like Trevor Bauer a lot, you know, from what I know about him, from what I see about what he does and promoting the game and himself and all that stuff. But to 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 be a part of the circus of the offseason of Trevor Bauer is not that much fun. Yeah.
0: And it's also like he feels like the not the antithesis or the opposite of Springer and Simeon, but like those guys are such like not necessarily classic baseball dudes, but to some extent they are, and just like character role models we do our job we lead by example we're not going to be talking to the media making a whole fuss which you know you can decide whether you think that's a plus or a negative i think that there's an argument for both especially in 2021 and trying to expand and make baseball more exciting but i think it just speaks to again going back to what what the blue jays front office has talked time and time again about the culture that they wanted to create and that they've brought in these these guys who are notably and known and written about of what character what outstanding citizens they are and role models to to younger people like there's just so much good that is that is coming from their characters that i think it's uh it makes me feel less uh i don't know less like or, or, or it makes me feel more confused about them wanting to bring Trevor Bauer in if if that's the type of guys that they did want to bring in. And maybe maybe their characters really didn't have as much to play with it and that it, their numbers speak for themselves and that they are just elite players. I don't know, but...
1: It's always hard to know what a, what a player is like behind the scenes and how they affect people in the clubhouse and stuff like that. But for sure, you don't want somebody coming in who you give $200 million to, who has the banner headline of, women hate him. Yeah. He does not treat women well. Like, that's just gross. Absolutely.
0: Okay, well, uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, This has been another episode of Underdog. I'm Jacob Eman, and this is David Patrick Fleming, and we'll be with you next time. Bye.